0: PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Before we pop our corks, can I ask you a huge favor? If you don't already follow us, Would you hit the follow button and give us a follow? You see the three little dots at the top right hand of your screen? Just tap that, hit the follow show tab. It's the first on the drop down menu and ta-da, that means two things. One, you're never going to miss an episode and two, it really does help us to bring you the very best guests there are out there. Speaking of which, on with the show. And welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a man who's been rather aptly described as a stealth actor, slowly but surely building a reputation as one of our standout TV talents. And he really is both standout and talented, infinitely watchable in every role he plays. He can terrify you make you laugh out loud and reduce you to tears with equal ease in shows that include some of the very best that have been made in recent years, be it Line of Duty, Guilt, Humans, Catastrophe, Litvinenko, Unforgotten Quiz and now Amazon Prime's epic new blockbuster, The Rig. After a childhood spent moving around Scotland to accommodate the career of his father, Stan, an artist, he settled in Edinburgh and in his late teens took a job selling burglar alarms door-to-door before working for the local council for seven years. It was there that he met a couple of colleagues who were members of a local theatre company called the Leith Theatre Company and they encouraged him to sign up. They are, he says, the reason I'm here today. He now lives in Hertfordshire with his wife, the actress Lucy Gaskell, and their two children, Martha and Samuel. And I'm so thrilled he's here, Mark Bonner. I've been wanting you in this studio for so long now. I'm here. It's very plush, and thank you for that amazing intro. That's you're quite oh welcome. God, but working. it's all true. It's, it's all it's all true. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah. It's all true, actually. Yeah, go. I did sell burglar alarms. Left it because I couldn't say burglar alarm properly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with it as well. Burglar alarms, yeah. I think a-
3: it's easier to say in a different accent burglar alarm.
2: There yeah. You know. See, once you take it into a British accent, yeah. you're a master of many accents. <laughs> I know this. I know this. And then seven
3: years at the council. Seven years at the council. Yeah, I. I. Um, I, I that was. My, it was a YTS for those that remember YTSs. Youth uh, training. Youth scheme. training scheme. Yeah, it was preceded by YOP, the Youth Opportunities Program. <laughs> but uh, I was a bit later. Uh, youth training scheme, and there was two on the table when I went. When I said to my careers officer. Um, when I was uh, 16, I went into the office and said, "I want to leave school." And she went, oh, "Okay." She said, "Well, I've got two opportunities for you this week. Um, you could go and be a mechanic, or you could go to the libraries. Um, they've got a, an opening at the McDonald Road Library for a for a library assistant trainee." And I just—it was one of those sliding doors moments where I just sort of said, "Well." <laughs> Libraries,
2: Isn't it funny that back then, it was like, I've got this or this, and you would you could easily decide the rest of your life based on that minute, yeah. and moment, and that decision. And you're just a kid, you know? It's, it's
3: ridiculous, really. But, um, uh, yeah, luckily it was that, well, I mean, mechanic probably would have been a good decision as well, you know? Um, you never know where I would have ended up, but, um, maybe still here, maybe not.
2: Well, it, it, interestingly, I mean, your work of late is taking you back home a lot because whilst yeah. you live in Hertfordshire now, you spent a lot of time shooting in Scotland and not a lot of people yeah. managed to pull that off. You did Shetland there, guilt, yep. and now The Rig.
3: Yeah, Shetland for 10 years uh, up there. Well, seven years, but, um, it was over the course of ten seven seven series, um, and, uh, yeah, you kind of... Uh, it's its difficult, obviously, being away from home, you know. Mm. Um, especially with the kids, kind of, you know... Um, you, Lucy has to sort of take on that burden, uh, yeah, which she's been incredible, you know. Um, uh, but it must
2: be nice to go back to somewhere that is so familiar. I mean, when you were driving to the set for The Rig, you were literally driving past your old secondary was, school, weren't you? Yeah. Quite unusual to find in a massive, epic, blockbuster-style show like The Rig, because it's huge... A predominantly Scots cast. There's you, yeah. Martin Compston, Ian.
3: Yes. Um Who else is Eamon Elliott.
2: Yeah.
3: Is Scottish Molly View? Yeah, who's in guilt? Yeah.
2: Now, as always, I've uh, thought long and hard about three questions for you. I've I've tried to read up on your life as best as I can. God. And one of the things that stood out to me most was just this this incredibly meaty CV that you've got. That is it's it's like um it's like the top 40. Of TV dramas. And I wondered if for question one, you'd be happy to do a CV riff with me. Okay, Uh, whatever that means. Yeah, okay,
3: I'm game for anything.
2: Okay, so question number one. Yep. I've clocked it up. You've appeared in more than 65 on screen roles, and your your stage work is equally as prolific. So, I mean.
3: Yeah, I spent 10 years sort of pretty much solid doing stage work before.
2: any kind of telly stuff before any telly stuff so you came to telly quite late didn't you
3: yeah yeah when I was probably probably about 11 years ago
2: so I thought if I shout out the name of a show or job or a role just just share with me the first thing that springs to mind oh Christ right yeah (laughs) so don't overthink it let's just riff it yeah okay okay so let's start first and foremost with Litvinenko
3: oh um uh, uh pride probably at being able to tell that story great story Yeah, uh, um, and important, you know, um, considering what's gone on in the last year in Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, I I was I was incredibly uh, proud to be a part of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the role you played in that, you well, you explain it, you explain it better than I possibly could. But the story is this: is the story of a man that was poisoned by the Russians on British soil. Yes, a
3: a British citizen. He he just received his um, citizenship um uh, Alexander Litvinenko was poisoned by uh, two Russian agents at the behest of Vladimir Putin um in 2006 um and I play Clive Timmins who was the who was the officer in charge uh who who's of, the
2: investigation. of the
3: investigation who whose um uh, desk the file landed on that November uh, morning um in 2006 and uh um he kind of um spent well, he spent a, a huge chunk of his professional life, you know, trying to um, bring these people to justice first and foremost, and, and get to the bottom of what exactly happened. And it was one of the biggest investigations that, that Scotland Yard have ever carried out, and um, it was a, it, it's a fantastic opportunity um, to to work with um, uh, some people who I really admire in um, david and and neil again neil Maskell, who's a, a friend of mine but i i i just lo- I, th- I love his work I'm, I'm a huge fan
2: of his as well as a friend so you played the the the, the kind of you know, the two cops leading the investigation is that right
3: yeah pretty much neil neil played um the guy who interviewed alexander or sasha as we we call him um uh, first and foremost in the hospital while he was still alive. So, And those, he's played by David Tennant. He's played by David, yeah. And, and those um, tapes f- provided the sort of springboard, the basis for, for the investigation to... to you
2: they, know. they gave the sort of spine of the investigation, didn't they? Because it yeah. starts with him saying, I'm ringing to report a murder, my own. My own, yeah, yeah. Uh, Quite an unusual position to find yourself in as an actor when you're playing somebody who is um, still alive that you are checking in with. So yep. you got to know Clive, didn't you? I did, yeah. he's. How he's, was that? That must have been, like, you must feel a huge uh, weight of responsibility. Yeah, you do. You, I mean,
3: it's weird. I mean, I've kind of played real people before, um, one of whom is still alive, uh, Paul Smith. Um, Paul
2: Smith, I actually... You is, know Paul. I know Paul. Paul invented Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah. And ran Cellador Television yeah. with Jasper Carrot.
3: Yeah, so I mean, the, 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 there is a burden that comes, especially if they're still alive, because and you meet them beforehand, which I did with both Paul and Clive. Um, you kind of go <laughs> every day, and you want you want to get it right because they're going to watch it. You know, you hope. Um, but uh, but no, Clive's uh, amazing and and very personable and made himself very available. Um, and And was very generous with his time and his and 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 very candid about everything about is people it? he worked with about about you know what it meant to him about the strains it put on him um, all that kind of stuff which is great how for.
2: brave to challenge the the Russian government around the claims that, you know, they, they, I mean, they, they tried to, of, of course, wash their hands of any uh, yeah. responsibility. And oh, yeah. he just kept pushing. He just kept pushing. And we yeah. all know, famously, what happens when you antagonise Vladimir Putin. Well, people are still falling out of windows now, aren't they? It's amazing yeah, the number of people you? that fall off the top of a car park. Yeah,
3: yeah. Take ill on a balcony. It's yeah, imagine. I mean, that's terrifying, you know? It is terrifying. You so choose I, to speak out, but yeah. you're silenced in that way by your government.
2: And then it's turned into a television drama, which gives it a second wind. Mm. So he's, he's this this is gutsy stuff, allowing you know not only yeah. allowing this story to be told because arguably it's not his story to tell, but to be complicit in the telling of that story. I thought that was really gutsy.
3: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really gutsy. Um, and um, uh, you know, he's. Uh, I think um, he, I, I got an email from him last week from Clyde last week. Um, which is a very a very kind email um a very and I was really you know I was like oh my god this is uh, lovely to receive something like that saying you know um thank you for you know for doing such a good job you know uh, basically it was the sort of you know I won't go into detail but it, that was the kind of uh, the premise of the email and um that that's a real when somebody says Your that, shoulders you know, drop. Then you go, okay, it's thanks. Yes, okay, it's okay. <laughs> I did all right. Let's know? talk
2: about playing Paul Smith because that was in a show you did called Quiz. So Michael yeah. Sheen stepped into the role of Chris Tarrant. This was all about yes. the cheating that went down on what was arguably one of the biggest shows in the world of its time. Yeah, wasn't the show actually? Didn't it, Wasn't it the brainchild of the Weatherman on Capital Breakfast? The, it was. It the it
3: was called Cash Mountain on the radio. That's right. Um, and it was Chris Tarrant did it on the
2: radio as well. He did it so well as well. I can't remember. Oh, I can. You'd be driving to work, and you'd have to interrupt and say something to, like, to stop the Cash Mountain or to get it, but the way he played it, you would literally be <laughs> in your car spot at work, and you should be in a meeting, and you're like, I've got to the end of Cash Mountain. He was just, just so good. It was theatre, and mm. that's that's what he did so well. But it is, yeah. They struggled to get that away, Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: It was. It was. It was by no means a done deal, uh, or or snapped up straight away, and and they did the pilot, and the pilot was awful, and and apparently they were like, you've got a, you know, there's something there, you've got something, but you really need to revamp the whole thing because it looked like it looked cheap. I think mm. you know, was essentially what it was, and so they really, really worked hard at getting it to this. Well. Where it started, as who wants to be a millionaire?
2: So for these guys, for Paul, who you're playing, he's you know a, a very successful television executive. Yeah, but no, but the riches that came their way off the back of that show, and and the success that came off the back of that format, yeah. I mean, was transformative, life changing.
3: Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, he 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 took me for tea. <laughs> he took me for tea uh, when I met him to oh god I forget the name of the place it was very very posh anyway <laughs> and as soon as I walked out I was him and, and and uh James Graham lovely James Graham the writer yeah it was just like but he's a, he's such a personable man though Paul he's lovely and he's such a twinkler as well you know he's one of nature's natural twinklers and uh, it was really lovely. It was really lovely to meet them. And, and you kind of you're you're sort of divided when you're when you're talking to somebody who you're going who you know you're going to play. You're kind of trying to absorb as much of what they're telling you as possible, but you're also kind of the other half of your brains watching them, you know, to see how they move and what they do while they're yeah. speaking and their how gait, stick their
2: mannerisms, all
3: that. Okay. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. really. Part of you must want to f- like record the conversations so you can go back and study them again. Well,
3: I did with, I did with Clive. I told him, because I, I met him on Zoom um, because he was in France. And uh, I, I told him, or I asked him if it was okay if I recorded it. I, and I, I had that the whole time I was on, because obviously I, I was so speaking like that <laughs> for the whole time. Um, <laughs> and so I had it with me. I had my phone with me with Clive's thing. Before every take, I would just listen to a little bit of Clive. Was, yeah, he's all right like that. Right, okay, okay, I'm like that. Right, okay. And I, I never came out the accent until so I, I was in accent from pick up in the morning until rap at the end of the day. I just us spoke like you, that the whole time because I thought it would it would help you know with the accent and with all that. And it did, it did, it helped me. So, so if, if at lunchtime you go to
2: ring Lucy to say you know how are you, how are the kids, you would do that in that accent.
3: Uh, well. Uh, Probably not. I usually, <laughs> usually text. To be fair, I'd usually text. To uh, stay in, so I wouldn't have. to. But
2: is it? A, yeah, I, I can understand that you want to retain that voice. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It just, it just really help. It, it, just helps you kind of, you know, stay in the zone. I suppose, you know. Um,
2: nobody else did
3: it. I just felt like an idiot, really. So but
2: two, two big <laughs> characters that you really felt a huge responsibility to not let down there. And Paul's was Paul's accent's
3: difficult as well because he's a. He's from Northern Ireland, but he's he's very softly spoken Northern Irish. So, in um, Belfast, I think. Um, um, so that again, that was how I didn't stay. I don't think I stayed in Accent, but I was working beside Ashling B, and uh, uh, Richard. Richard, um, oh, I forget Richard's second name. That's terrible. Um, sorry, Richard. Um, but they were. I was always on at them, always on Ashling and Richard, saying. Is, was that okay, was that okay, you know, is that it, it, did it sound a little bit strange, was it all right, was it quit? And they were like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so I just I kept them sort of, you know, keeping me right, you know.
2: Yeah, you, well, you, you did a remarkable job it's with it. It's terrifying. Um, talk to me about Catastrophe.
3: Oh, Catastrophe was, was uh, magical, you know, um, hard work. Um, Robin Shannon had worked so, so hard at getting those scripts spot on because a lot, and and this is the beauty of really brilliant comedy. I think is that this is Sharon Hogan and Rob Sharon Delaney. Horgan, sorry, and Rob yeah. Delaney who um, wrote
2: Catastrophe yeah. together and cast you in the show as arguably the world's most miserable married man. Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, God knows why married to Ashley Jensen. Married to Ashley Jensen, Jensen but, um, yeah. <laughs> it was a real gift. That I, I, I mean, you know, you, you It's it's strange the kind of you know you're 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 so at other people's behest or whims in this job you know you can and I mean I know actors sort of go oh you know so much luck was involved so much but it is so much luck is involved to get you a in front of people in the first place but also that you know Rob mentioned years later that he watched um uh something that I did called phone shop I did a a, an episode one episode I think of a of a um a Channel 4 sitcom called Phone Shop, which was brilliant, really, really brilliant, sort of devised by Phil Bowker. And I played this mad, weird, slightly deranged guy um, who was a a sanitary bin um, (laughs) collector, but lied to one of the main characters that he had a blue-chip portfolio. Um, (laughs) And he was a real A psychopath. He was really... Yeah, a psychopath. He was really creepy. He um he wore he wore little um you know those little friendship yeah angles with a like a suit and stuff that is always a little bit of a giveaway of a psychopath I think um, <laughs> it's hard. but um uh, yeah so Rob had seen that and sort of that along with the audition sort of convinced him to cast me as Chris so those little accidents that just happen you know that. It's but Chris mad was, the was a gift,
2: wasn't he? Because yes. he wasn't the lead. Sharon and Rob were, were the lead. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Chris... Stole the show, and they enabled that as the writers of the show. When Chris came, when there was a scene with Chris, I would sit up with excitement <laughs> because of that what is going to come out of his mouth now. Yeah, it it was a genius part, and you played it so perfectly. Well, thank you, darling. That's very kind of you to say so. I, I, I... you're a brilliantly miserable nutter.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what me or Chris? Yeah, Chris. I'm um, good. Uh, yeah, the 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 genius of them is the is the fact that they. They worked so with such detail on those scripts, so you would really strive to get it right. Some of the time, when I'm doing a, a job, you sort of go, "Well, this doesn't quite feel right in my mouth," or I, "Can I change this a little bit?" There was none of that with Catastrophe because it was so brilliantly worked out, slaved over that you know there was, and there was hardly any ever any improvisation at all. The odd little bit, you know, um, would creep in, but you didn't need it because it was just so brilliant. It's a gift, something like that, you know, that's been... It's hard comedy, it's really hard, and they just worked it out perfectly. Didn't they? Oh, God. Was that an exciting role? I loved watching it, I was a fan of the show.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which must be weird when you're in it.
3: Really weird, yeah, because you're just, you know, as soon as I come on, you know, I sit up as well, but sit up and go... oh. Look, I should have done that <laughs> you
2: know, it's that kind of thing. We sort
3: you know, you're always got a you know, critical eye on yourself. You can't help it.
2: But a good job, a fun job? Oh god, yeah. brilliant
3: job. Absolutely brilliant job. And you know, I, I, I joked when they said it was the end, I texted uh, Sharon and said, you know, maybe you'll have a, a mini-series with Chris. And, uh, you know, we weren't joking, you know, were you? Get... No, I wasn't. I was kind of half-joking, but not really. I'd love to, you know. Chris, Who would? but Chris, I would
2: watch Chris in his own series, 100%.
3: I would do Chris in his own series. <laughs> yes!
2: Still, yeah. God, it's a shame she's so busy and successful, isn't it? My God, isn't she just? But from that show, so much came for them professionally as a yeah. result of that and it wasn't just about the way they played it it was the way that you and Ashley uh, played it as well I mean it was just it was just genius if nobody's yeah watched, if, if you haven't watched catastrophe I'm jealous of you yeah because you can go and watch it for the first time and I'm gen- genuinely I I will I, I'm envious of
3: that it's a, I think it's a timeless show because it speaks to it speaks to parents, it speaks, not just, but you know, it's, because they start before their parents obviously the show starts before their parents, but it, oh, that, you know, if you're it, it doesn't matter what age you are, it's, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant show. Modern day tale
2: as to why you should use contraception on a first date. <laughs> oh God. On a one night stand at least. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so from Chris, let's move, move to a role that, that almost wasn't for you, uh, Mike Dryden, Line of Duty. Oh. And if I've read this correctly, Robert Lindsay originally was cast as Mike Dryden. Yes. And then left the role because creative differences was what I read. Yes. I know that when you got the call about Line of Duty, your agent did say to you, I'm not being funny, but if you get this, it's a game changer. He
3: he phoned me um, before the meeting, with the meeting, with the job, with the audition details and said... you know, if you get this, it's a, it's, it is a real game changer. It's going to... It'll really change your life. And I was like, why would you tell me that before I've even gone to meet the people? <laughs> the For pressure! Fuck's sake. Um, so, and this was,
2: this was meeting, like, Jed and Mercurio, yeah? this is And this was season two, wasn't it?
3: This was season two.
2: So it's so, already been a hit. It's a big show. Yeah, yeah. Critically acclaimed. Absolutely. And you're playing a total wrong Uh
3: Yeah. Yeah, again. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know why they keep coming my way. You're um,
2: so good at, at being a wrong and At though. being a wrong and
3: yeah. Maybe it's because I'm so devout and, and lovely in my real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, the um, juxtaposition. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, relish it. Um, yeah, no, I, I went into... I, I got the lift um, up to whatever floor it was at the Office of World where we met. And uh, it was Kate Rhodes James, the casting director, and Jed I met initially. And uh, but when I came out the lift, Robert Lindsay was chatting to Kate. I was like, "Oh, okay, well he's going to get it," and he did. Um, and it so went you away. You literally
2: had seen him in the
3: room. Like, I saw. I saw him. Yeah, he got in the lift that I came out of. So I was already. Like, oh, I was kind of devil may care, anyway. I thought, well, he's going to get it. So maybe that helped. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, three months later, two months later, you know, I'd forgotten as you do. You kind of there's so you, a compartment you, for your brain. You'd that you have not got the, go, the
2: part. You, the show was shooting.
3: By I hadn't now. got the part. It was Robert's part, um, and it, they'd started shooting. So, um, uh, but yeah, I got a call from uh, Aileen, my agent, saying uh, that that uh, um, Line of Duty shows come back again, and I did That was, I think, that was their exact words, and I was like, "Come back? What do you mean, come back?" She went. Well, they want to meet you tomorrow, um, Jed and Simon, and have a chat about it. I was like, okay. I, I didn't even I really kind of connect the two at the time. So I went in the next day to meet them, and they were sort of saying, okay, so you know, um, you know, they were talking like the part was mine, you know. Uh, and I was like, is, is this happening? And ph- she phoned, phoned um, Aileen back after the meeting. I went, is that, what's going on? I've got the, p- it's my part. She was like, yeah, I think so. And she very quickly did the deal. And I started work on the Monday <laughs> in front of a, a, in a church, front of, a, a, in a, not a, ch- a cathedral, in, in front of like hundreds of extras and, um, doing a big speech about um this colleague we'd lost, you know. So it was uh, it was in at the deep end. The whole job was like that. Jed was brilliant because I just I, I would f- whenever I needed to go, because um, I hadn't had a chance to do any work or anything, you no. know. So I just phoned Jed and went, um, I've got a question, went and he was like, Yeah, yeah, what do you need to that? And I was like, if I'm saying that, well, he said, everything you say is the truth. Right? Like, okay, okay. And when I read it back, I was like, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, everything, I never told a lie. Dryden never lied. Did he not? No. That's
2: interesting.
3: No, it's interesting. Go back and watch it. Yeah, I'm going to
2: know. Because you had, Anna Maxwell Martin had in later series, much the yes. same impact with those interrogation scenes. Yeah. Where really that kind of, that length of scene where it's just, you know, two or three people talking yeah. in a room could be infinitely boring. Yeah. It is absolutely unmissable. And yeah. you were so brilliant. You had a proper moment in that. <laughs> it was good, wasn't did, it? You not, did you feel that? I wanted yeah, to know, when you yeah. do those scenes, do you go, not being funny, but that was good?
3: Yeah, no, we, re- we rehearsed it, me and Martin and Vicky, um, rehearsed it with Daniel, the director, um, a couple of days before we shot it, I think. And um, no, it was it was absolutely one of those, you know, that that kind of revelation um, in it, um, where you kind of think to yourself, you've got a half, yeah, your your third eye is watching it, going, look, oh, if this works, it's going to be great, you know, um, and uh, and yeah, it did, thankfully. So it was it was lovely. It was really were... rewarding to do that scene actually, because it's like a piece of theatre. It is it nineteen minutes long. Is it
2: really? <laughs>
3: yeah. All one, yeah, without away to anything else. You
2: know? so, so one take, 19 minutes, but we
3: well, not one three take. three takes, I think. You know, we all, we did, it was a, we did little cutaways later, but we filmed the meat, the whole meat of the scene pretty much um, without cutting away. So there was two cameras. We turned around, obviously. There was two cameras on me and then two cameras on them, I think, and roving as well, so... Um, so but the whole thing we played the whole thing through there was no yeah it was like a it was like acting a piece of theatre as well as watching it wow yeah it was great it was a great and it was quite it felt quite revolutionary at the time because it was like how how often do you see a 19 minute long scene on telly you just you have since a little bit but i mean
2: yeah but i think i think i think that made it okay yeah
3: exactly that was the
2: green light yeah it's very exciting Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations.
3: <laughs> Thanks very much. you very welcome. Jed Mercurio. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, because if either of you in that scenario, the three of you, if any, either of you had dropped the ball, it would have unraveled. Yeah. So it required suppose, yeah. infinite teamwork, that ability yeah. to read one another.
3: Well, Martin and Vecchia. Well,
2: they read each other all the time, right? Because they They're used to brilliant. So you could have been the weakest link. Yeah. Well. And you weren't.
3: Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. We got away with it.
2: Are you ready for your next question?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a question.
2: So question number two. There's a saying that fortune favours the brave, and that certainly seems to be true for you. You came very late to the party as an actor, having worked uh, for the local council for seven years. You'd bought a house, and you were seemingly very settled as an adult before then taking the plunge to throw it all in to make it as an actor. So when else uh, has an act of courage or great bravery paid dividends? And did that particular act of quitting your job to pursue acting feel... Like an act of great courage at the time. It doesn't feel brave though. I it mean, I just have felt brave at the time, no, to give up all that security well, to. I suppose. I mean, I kind of.
3: When you're, when you're young, <laughs> when you're that age, I was, tw- uh, what was I, 23. Uh, yeah, 23. Um, and I, I kind of. I think when, when you. have I'd done three, four shows with Lee Theatre. Um, culminating in Death of a Salesman when I'd played um, uh, Biff, which is one of the great kind of parts in Western drama. Um, And I did it with a fantastic, playing Willie Loman, a fantastic older actor who's also sadly passed away, called um, Lovely John McCall, who was a fantastic actor. Um, there's a lot of fantastic actors in amateur theatre. Um, amateur theatre, I think, gets a bad rep, mm. but there are some amazing shows out there. Some life, some of my biggest kind of life-changing moments have been watching amateur shows. I went to see an amateur production of Hair before I was an actor years ago, and it kind of changed something in my DNA. My mate was in it. Um, Andy Nichol, and um, it blew me away. I'd never seen hair before, and it's an incredibly life-affirming experience. It's joyous, um, isn't it? Oh, it's just incredible, yeah. and you just you want to get up and be with them, and you know, yeah. take your clothes off and yeah. dance, hair and dance and yes. sing. So yes, that, uh, there's some fantastic actors in, in amateur uh, productions across the country, and uh, uh, and it's a very important thing I think for for people to do and to um, anyway. Uh, so, yes, John was a, a fantastic Willie Loman, um, and it was there that I kind of thought that enthusiasm was kind of, um, you know, um, sparked. And I th- I, So I think when that enthusiasm takes over for something, you don't see it as brave, you just see it as something you have to do. Were you scared? I've, I don't remember being scared. I remember just sort of um, probably about five years I'd, I'd had my flat in, in uh, West Pilton, and... Um, I just thought, oh, I'll rent it out. I'll, I'll do, you know, you just do, you just think, well, that's what I did. And I did do that, you know, when I moved to Glasgow to go to drama college. Um, so it's just one of those things that you you do, you kind of don't see it as brave at the did time. Did it feel risky? Um, I think people around me thought it was maybe risky. Mm. I think the people that I worked with were like... Sure. Good luck with uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> See in a year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be back here before. Yeah. There was a little bit of that.
2: Yeah, but which is understandable because which is
3: understandable, yeah, because it's a it's a risky business. Yeah, you know? it is. I mean, um,
2: predominantly populated by the the unemployed.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, that's which the is why I you know I, I mentioned luck at, at the beginning of our chat because it is you know you are kind of at the you, your your life is your professional life is kind of at the behest of. You know, other people. You know, to to employ you. So you kind of go, okay. Well, I'm I'm okay with that as long as I have. I'm securing the other things that I need to be securing. You know, talent, hopefully, or you know, you work at whatever you need yeah. to work at. You know, but, um, but
2: you need a break as well.
3: You okay. need a break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: When else do you feel that um, taking a risk or being brave has been a good thing for you? It's it's paid dividends. I'd never describe myself as brave. I don't know,
3: I'm quite shy, and I'm quite kind of... I mean, we're all a bit scared, aren't we? Really. Deep down, we're all a bit kind of like...
2: But I guess being scared and being brave are probably two different things.
3: Yes, I guess they must be. I think Uh, if you're
2: scared but you still do it anyway, that's an act of bravery.
3: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I I think... I mean... I hate talking about myself. I mean, I... I, (laughs) I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) I I think that I I, uh, probably, from the outside, I guess, um, seeing when my daughter was born, for example, when Martha was born, uh, I was doing the Cherry Orchard, but when she was sort of six, the next job I got after the Cherry Orchard was um, at the Old Vic doing uh, the Duchess of Malfi, um, playing Bossola, which is a great part, which some, you know, real titans have played, you know, brilliant, brilliant part.
2: And the old Vic is also the home of great titles. And,
3: like, oh, my God, the old Vic is... Yeah.
2: To go from the national to the old hard. Vic. Hard.
3: The old yeah. Vic's hard. It's a big, old, deep yeah. thing you need to fill. and. Yeah. Oh, it's, the home of the greats. Home of the greats, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you feel that as a, a kind of, like, on your shoulders when yeah. you step out to that stage every your night. You're like, oh, my God, it's huge. I hope you can hear me at the back. Um, actually, John, S- John Snow, I think it was. Was it John Snow or Peter Snow? Who's the, who's the dad? It's jo- Peter, isn't Peter. it? Peter. He came to see it, and he's, he gave me the greatest compliment. He said, you're the only one I could hear at the... I was sitting right at the back, and you're the only <laughs> one I could hear every word of. I was like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> Take hear me. Was I any good? Um, just uh, loud. <laughs> yeah, just loud. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so I went to the OVEC after the National, uh, but that was when I kind of decided, Needed to because um, Martha was six months old, and I, I, I thought I need, to, uh, I need to earn some money because theatre doesn't need pay really, you know. You, it doesn't, it gets um, it, it earns you just enough to kind of you know dot the i's and cross the t's. But um, if you want to you know buy a house or 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 buy a slightly bigger house for your children to live in, um, it, I, I thought I better earn some money and um, pronto. So I kind of thought right, well, despite the fact that I have got this, uh, uh, from the outside, might look like a really good career in theatre. I'm skinned. I'm I'm (laughs) skinned. So I better earn some cash, you know. Um, uh, So I I decided to sort of stop saying yes to theatre so much and and start saying, uh, hopefully trying to get some telly on my CV. Because it was unbalanced. There was loads of theatre and about four telly, five telly credits. Um, and I just thought, well, it's time to kind of uh, address the balance or rebalance.
2: So that meant saying no to some pretty chunky work yeah. in terms of the credibility and the yeah. works, the job satisfaction, but leaving yourself open to possible unemployment whilst you wait for a role to come along.
3: Yeah, yeah, which is still the case, you know. I'm, it? Not, I'm not doing anything that now.
2: <laughs> yeah. See, now, when I look at your CV, I just go, wow, this man never stops working. And yet... I know from having other guests on the show that that is a a, a a lazy judgment to make because for so many people, they can spend months and months and months out of work having just won a BAFTA even, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my first... Um, the, the very first lead that I
3: sort of had um, with Tamsin on the telly was called Paradox. Paradox, yeah. And that was my first big job. Tamsin Outweigh. Tams- Tamsin Outweigh, sorry, yeah. yeah um, and uh, after it was finished, I thought... Okay, here we go. <laughs> you know,
2: I've arrived.
3: I've arrived. It's my first sort of big part on the telly. You know, um, let's see what happens. And nothing happened for nine months. I had no. I had nothing. No, uh, virtually nothing. I had. I had no. Pretty much no meetings. I had no. I had a few meetings, but not. You know, I was kind of. Right here, I'm knocking at the gates. You know, I can do it. I've shown people I can do it. Because I always thought there was a secret to telly acting or acting on camera. I thought there was, there must, there's something that people have that I don't have. You know? Um, did you?
2: Like, yeah. What did you think it was? A I don't gradium?
3: know. Yeah, something. Something that I, you know, because I, I, I went up for lots of telly when I was doing loads of theatre. I would always audition for stuff, <clears throat> but. I would never get it or or I would get down to the last sort of few and not progress any further. Um, so I thought there was something about, you know, these people that I'd see on the telly, there was some secret they had or some inner kind of ingredient that secret I did have. Yeah, <laughs> secret sauce. Yeah, secret sauce. But there's not. <laughs> it's just all the same. Acting is acting. You know, yeah. if, if you can do it, you can do it, you know, and it doesn't matter where you do it. If you do it well, then you'll you know you'll do it well whatever medium it is you know. Yeah. So I had done some I had done some telly, but I'd gone back to the theatre obviously because nothing, nothing happened. So I went back to the theatre and did the and did the the Cherry Orchard and um, and the Old Vic. Well, that's the main thing. That's the main kind of ingredient, isn't it? I think for for anybody who's who's self employed, is resilience because you're going to get knockbacks all the time. Yeah, and you do. It still it still happens now. You that's know, it. You kind
2: of, yeah, of course. You, so you I know. would make the assumption now that my God, I would fall over myself to cast you in anything because you can play anything really well. So therefore, you must be just sat there going, nah oh, eeny meeny miny, I'll choose that one. <laughs> yeah, that would
3: no? be nice, wouldn't it? I get um, I. I, I I I did a tape for something before Christmas that I'd really love to do, but you know this is before Christmas. It was about three weeks before Christmas, was it? And I'm thinking, that's gone, that's gone. But that's a shame because I really try. I really, you know, I did a good tape. I wanted it, but and these, so yeah, these things still happen. It's still you still sit on your arse going, well, I wonder what's going to happen
2: next. Yeah, Yeah, God, that's it.
3: I mean, I tell you what's brave. You're asking about bravery. OK, here's something that I do think brave and terrifying um, is that I said to my agent, I, was, I worked a, a lot away last year. So I was in Malta at the beginning of the year. I was in Belfast over the summer. And then I was in Glasgow at the end of the year doing the third series of guilt. And uh, it was too much. I'd, I don't like being away from home. Um, and that was a long time away from home. Mm. And I said, right, I'm going to take three months off. So this is in, this is my three months off. I'm having three months off till March.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so but does it feel different because you've elected to have this time off rather than it being enforced time off?
3: Still terrifying.
2: This is time off other than unemployment?
3: This is time off, yeah. So this so is like t- me saying I'm taking three months off. till. So Mar- I don't want to do anything till March. Um, First that time
2: in your career you've done that? Ever, yeah.
3: Because you're you because you're like I want to work I want to work mm. I don't think I'm any great somebody but I mean it, you know I, I, I need to be at home I need to be with my family there's lots to do at home as well I just want to be there I want to be there for a sustained period of time because yeah. I miss it I miss your kids
2: don't away. grow up twice exactly they really exactly.
3: don't so even if you get back at even if you're away for like four or five days you still get back and think there's little changes you can see and you go yeah. fuck.
2: You know? I miss that. I yeah. miss that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, everybody does, you know. But I think it's important when you're away a lot to then try and, you know, not be away. And that seemed like the sensible thing to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do on FaceTime by way of being they present. They don't like it. They hate it. They're yeah. so bored talking like, to oh, you. Yeah,
3: whatever. Yeah. <laughs> try you're try devastated. I'd to to play a game. It's <laughs> <laughs> <There's> Roblox. <laughs> don't add it to me.
2: How's so. your day? Good yeah, you yeah. i love you. I love you <laughs> yeah, I know you 're so desperate for their affection, you wait it gets worse
3: <laughs> unbelievable
2: were you anticipating that because actually you know becoming a parent is an act of great bravery because nobody knows if they 're going to be any good at it i think
3: yeah, I think it's it's quite brave stroke terrifying in this job as well because you don't yeah you, you there 's no certainties you don 't know if you'll be able to provide you know the for yourself let alone them but so you kind of cross your fingers and toes and go because there's no right time in this job really you know there's no i mean a lot of people these days don't really have career careers a thing that's kind of you know um fallen by the wayside a little bit in recent years you know um it used to be that you could you know join an organization and work your way up and blah yeah. blah blah and have a pension and do the, but you know that's been kind of decimated um in the last sort of 20 years really um for whatever reasons, um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of um, it does feel uh, uh, brave to do that, I suppose. Um, in in this uh, particular job, you know, to sort of take a deep breath and sort of plunge in and go, okay, well, I I really love you and I want to have children, and but nothing prepares you for it at all. Yeah. It's it's the it's the most incredible stomach churning. In all, in good and bad ways.
2: Oh, anxiety, like you've never known. Anxiety,
3: love, you know, exhaustion, mental, you know, overload, <laughs> you know, trying, worrying about their future, if you've yes. done the right, blah blah blah, all that, all that. I, that. I, I only, I only think I'm just beginning to get good at it now, really. Um, and I think, you know, um, I, I've learned so much from them but also from Lucy who's the most incredible human I've ever met you know she's she's really kind of um taught me uh a lot about um life and about love and care and commitment um uh over the years and I think I'm you know it's always I'm not going to use the word journey because that's awful but it is it is journey, it's a journey. I'm not going to use it but it's journey um uh and and you kind of the sad thing about it is that you only probably start to get good at it towards the end of it,
2: you know. I think so. Um, uh, Let's talk about um, love and pride because I found that's what. My heart. Oh, yeah. Oh God, Paul King.
3: Paul King. Love and pride. Love. I had that twelve inch. Did you? Yeah. Loved He's, that song
2: so, hand so hand. much. He was a VJ at VH1 when I first went to work there. See. VJ. That's how old what? I. Am. <laughs> That's a video jock, kids. <laughs> Look it up. It'll be on Wikipedia somewhere. A video jock. <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant. laughs> I love it. So, for question number three, can I take you somewhere else entirely? Can we yes, get, yes. Can we get yes. emotional? Okay, question number three. Less of a question and more something I'd like to push back to you. This is something I found in The Times. It's from your dad and it's your dad talking about you. And I thought this sounded like just the most wonderful love letters. So have a listen and then maybe after this you can give me your thoughts on it and also compose your own love letters to the people that you love the most. Your dad says, I'm proud of Mark. When I first saw him on telly, I felt this immense wave of pride, absolutely gobsmacked pride. Max from guilt is probably my favorite character he's played watching Mark in that show. All I could see was this explosion of talent that he's developed over the years. And that's it straight up, just so much talent. And when Mark and I were filming the documentary, you did a documentary with your dad. I was able to bask in the reflected glory of that talent just a wee bit. People recognised Mark. They recognised my son and wanted him and they wanted to talk to him about his work. And I hope this doesn't make me sound like a silly bugger, but it gave me a warm glow inside. That's my boy you're talking about. That's my wee boy.
3: Oh, oh, fucking hell.
2: Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It's lovely.
3: I haven't read that, actually, I don't think. You should. Well, you've re- just read it out to me and made me cry. So it's um, <laughs> gorgeous.
2: And I just thought, what a beautiful love letter, and yeah. that is just so from the heart. That was so unfiltered.
3: He's he's an incredible person. He's an incredible human. My dad, both my mum and dad are incredible humans. Um, Yeah, I mean, Mum kind of uh, trained as a cook, really. Um, After They met at school, they met at Trinity in Edinburgh when they were 16, 17, I think, and started going out. And and then Dad got a place at Duncan of Jordanstone Art College in Dundee. They got married in Edinburgh. I was on the way, I think.
2: But your dad wanted to be an artist, which must have sounded like saying, at that time in that place in their lives in that part of the world, I want to be a unicorn. Because <laughs> <laughs> like nobody, not yes. you, Van Gogh. You know, I mean, it yeah. just wasn't a job. It was, it wasn't a thing. Wasn't
3: no, it? and it was nowhere on the, it was nowhere on the landscape um, of his home life, really, that? either. Um, his dad Felix, who was Polish, my granddad um, had come over from uh, Warsaw during the war. His mum uh, was uh, a nurse. Um, so it wasn't a kind of... It was in no way a kind of uh, arty family, like mine was, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know... I, I Do you know what? I don't know... Where exactly it came from, and I'm going to have to ask him. He does a blog. He's got a blog that he adds to, a sort of biographical blog, uh, autobiographical blog, um, online. Um, But I don't know if he's sort of specifically mentioned that. Anyway.
2: but your dad was was eventually... I mean, like he talks about your explosion of talent. Your yes. dad had his own explosion of talent. Yes. And he monetized it. He made it work. He raised a family doing the job yes. that he loved. Yeah. And that must, in its own way, have been sort of like an everyday living love letter to you guys because it's like,
3: look, you can do something you love. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's amazing things that he uh, did, like... Um, You know, he would make us things. So for my probably about seventh birthday, I guess, I got this beautiful... Handmade sort of wooden crane that you could sit on, and it, and it was varnished. It was just like finished you off. You could like sit a, on. You could sit on it. Sit <laughs> on the sort of cab of the crane. The arm of the crane was there, and you would. There was two things. There was a big magnet on the end of it, so you could turn around. And, and he'd made it from That's scratch. That's a love That's of course. That's a an act letter. of love. Yeah. yeah, he made me a go kart yeah. He made me so. so With no many money, it was,
2: you know, it was it was all not together at all. of energy no which
3: effort. is what you did back in the day you didn't buy it you made it yeah. you know and he was lucky enough and he's passed a little of it down to me thank god but he was lucky enough to be able to do anything and he still can he's just finished you know at the ripe old age of 74 he's just completely ripped out their whole bathroom and redesigned it and tiled it and fitted the shower and bath and toilet and everything else skills to, and done the pipe work you, you like know, a bit can, of diy though as well don't i you? love a bit of diy yeah i'm not as good as him but i, I love a bit of
2: DIY. Do you know who else is an actor that loves a bit of diy who? owain arthur
3: and now owain's much better than me he does all he, i couldn't make the stuff he makes i can good. fix stuff and put owain shelves is, up is currently he, being
2: seen in the lord of the rings uh, yeah uh but in between jobs knocks up a shelf like no, oh no my one God, else he's, he's literally brilliant, yeah. his carpentry's up there with Jesus it really, <laughs> it
1: really is but um, if those
2: were love letters from your dad to you yeah. what would your love letters how does that look now to, in terms of what you serve up to your family how do you show that to Lucy to the kids to your parents um, oh gosh that's a good question
3: um, yeah I think well I, that's probably what it, I mean I, you're talking about DIY I, I take a I take a great pride in you know, for example, Samuel loves Minecraft. Okay, so um, when we we got the we had to get the house, the attic seen to last year because uh, there was a uh, um, illicit bathroom in the eaves. So we had to put proper illicit
2: um, an illicit bathroom. An illicit bathroom. Sounds, yes. yes, it sounds sound wonderful, and flowery, it doesn't yeah. it?
3: I'm very good at flowery. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, it was illicit, and uh, we had to support it properly um so we had to move out for a month and, and and they had to rip out samuel's wall and put in support and da 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 um but uh he loves minecraft so i i made his room a minecraft room so i, I stenciled minecraft clouds on the ceiling and um so i guess that kind of thing's a, totally. I love letter too because for
2: all the nights you're not there you're um, still there you only have yeah, to look yeah, exactly. Up and there you
3: yeah, are. yeah, yeah. So I, I love doing stuff like that for them and putting things up and like there's LED lights that Martha got for for um, uh, Christmas, which I'm going to put up today when I go home. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I take a great pleasure in doing thing practical stuff, I, I, I guess, and I, I do take Lucy a cup of tea every morning in bed. You do know, you? Yeah. Good man. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I like to do it. I, it you know, it's uh, makes you feel good. Yeah, well, yeah, and and yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, it's just the it's You've the wee things, isn't it? I mean, she it was our fifteen year anniversary, um, wedding anniversary, in, on the twentieth of December. We couldn't believe it was fifteen years we were celebrating, and because um, I still, I still, I, I'm still filled with love when I look at her. You know, um, I, I I really, um, which is a wonderful thing to feel, isn't it? She made a really brilliant point, I think, which was. Somebody, I think somebody had asked her, or, or what you know, what what do you think is important? And I was going, oh Christ, I don't know. I, you know, it's, you just work at it, whatever that means, you know. And she was saying, I think that saying thank you is a really important thing. Um, for whatever it is, and I think we always take the time to show the kids that we appreciate each other, what each other does in our daily lives. I think, and I, I, it was a really brilliant point that made me go, "Christ, that is true. We do do that." And I think that's, a, I think gratitude is a really important massive. thing. That's, it's respect. It's kind of yeah, it's, it's showing respect to the other person, yeah. and the other people in your life. You know. Mm. Um, so with that in mind, um, I, you know, I probably what I would say. To my parents is is to thank them for for the, you 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 live with what you what is brought into your life you know um, you know you kind of think that that's the norm you know you think that whatever you're given um, when you're a, a child is the norm so we kind of looking back didn't realise how lucky we were you know to to be brought up in a in a kind of creative inventive place where ideas were welcomed and encouraged and celebrated you know. Yeah. Um,
2: There was no lid put on your pot, was there? No, no. It was dream hard, dream big, work hard, try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we were, not only were we kind of, you know, uh, uh, lucky enough to have this wonderful sort of creative miasma of stuff at home, but uh, we were uh, lucky enough to have, uh, uh, you know, in the 80s as well, um, a a, a kind of um, amazingly strong, strident... Um, mother figure there as well, you know. Um, so a, a, a fantastic mix. So I'd say to them, thank you for all of that, you know, and, uh, you know, I love you <laughs> so much.
2: Um, well, I loved what your dad said about
3: you. I do too. And you hadn't read that? Well, I think I'd read a little piece of it. I think I'd read the beginning, but for, I don't know, for whatever reason, or maybe I'd read a different article that used that piece, that used just a bit of yeah, it. It was, it was in The was
2: Times. In The, Times. the Times, OK. Yeah. Fucking hell. Nice it was
3: just the beautiful way you read it made me go,
2: oh my god!
4: <laughs>
2: well, oh. I, I just thought, wow, to yeah. be able to instill that kind of pride in your parents, you know, you've done all right, then, right?
3: Yeah, that's, that's
2: the that's the ultimate uh, affirmation. Yeah, well, I've got
3: them to thank though for you know I was a that when you you mentioned uh, at the beginning a door to door salesman. Um, I I kind of I, I I'm or I used to be, I don't know if I still am, I still am to a certain extent the kind of person that gets swept along by things. Mm. So if somebody makes a amazingly passionate argument about something, I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> yes, I'm with you, I'm with you. So so when I was a salesman... Malleable, I think, is the word. <laughs> yeah, suggestible. Um, yeah. So when I was a salesman, there were these incredible salespeople and, you know, if you're an incredible salespeople, it's an, it's an amazing talent to have. You can, you know, sell anything. And these guys would come into the office when we were just learning how to do what was called a door opener. So you'd, the door opener was you chat the door, you'd ring the bell and you go, hi there, I'm talking to all the husbands and wives in the area about an exciting new development that's coming your way. And what I need to do is get you and your husband together just so I can get just a couple of minutes of your time. So, you know, that's the door opener. Um, and they would invite these salesmen in who were, you know, who drove huge Mercedes, and, you know, it was all about the look. You know, the sure. cars are probably rent. All fur coat and no it was knickers. All fur coat and no knickers. But yeah. they would come up and they would throw, because when you're young, I was only 20, 20 21, something like that. Maybe even 19, maybe a bit younger. Um, so they would throw. Uh, Money at you they would kind of in, in a kind of you know uh, in a kind of um, with their with their way with their speech with their kind of you know whatever they were saying. You're it was dazzling. Like he made £600 last night. You know, that's just one night, £600. What can you do for me tonight? You know, all that kind of stuff. You'd just be like, yeah, I can do it, I can do it. And the reality, though, when you get on the door in Aberdeen at four o'clock in the afternoon is that people are, you know, they just finished the night shift and they're like, fuck oh, oh I... do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm not interested. I can appreciate you're not interested. I haven't actually told you anything about the product yet. So what we're doing is we're getting husbands and wives together. You know, you had an answer for every negative that they would throw back at you which in 98% of circumstances is just fucking infuriating get off my I do it now you know please go away you know you're just but the odd 2% of people would go oh right okay what is it burglar alarms oh come in (laughs) (laughs) you know well, I did, I, did, I did five weeks as a daughter, and I was providing leads for the salesman to then go in, and if they didn't convert the lead into a sale, nothing. I got nothing. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, got, I earned, in five weeks, I earned about £220 in five weeks. So I thought, this isn't financially working out. I ended up going back to the council, uh, to the planning department this time, not the libraries. And from there, from the planning department, I met Mikey and um, uh, Duncan, who were the two guys that were in the theatre. Which
2: brings us perfectly back to where we began.
3: Yeah.
2: And without them and their encouragement, who's to say that you wouldn't be sat here talking through a CV that is really quite something all these years on. Crazy. Thank you so much for coming in. It's it's been so nice. My huge thanks to Mark. And do check out The Rig. It's epic and it's available right now on Amazon Prime. And if that chat has left you wanting more great conversation with brilliant stars of the big and small screen, then flick through our back catalogue where you'll find episodes with Alan Cumming, Luke Evans, Jason Fleming, Tamsin Althwaite, Hannah Waddingham, Angela Griffin, Sally Lindsay, John Thompson and so many more. My thanks to you as always for lending us your ears to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Our editing comes from Eleanor Humphrey and our music is courtesy of Andy Bell. As always you can find his back catalogue with Ride, Oasis and his solo material wherever you get your music. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, thanks for your company.